Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. We have now been to Batu. I didn't go to Batu. I went to Blackspire Outpost. I refuse. Which is on Batu. I. You know what? I don't need to talk about the planet name. <laughs> it is funny though, because not you don't really hear people say like, "Oh, I visited no. Batu" or "I went to Batu." They everyone does say, "I went to Galaxy's Edge" or "I went to Blackspire Outpost." But Batu seems to be that. lost. You hear BSO. I've heard that a yes, lot. Oh. oh, really? Like audibly, people say that? Yeah, and I've heard it. I heard it from the cast members too. Interesting. Yeah, BSO. That's, that's a different experience than I had because I did not hear anybody refer to it as BSO. Well, so, then you weren't with the cool kids. But I've seen it online. I've seen it referred to like in short as BSO, but not not audibly. Let's just decide on an official hashtag. It's either hashtag Galaxy's Edge, hashtag SWGE, hashtag Black Spire Outpost, hashtag BSO. Like, just pick one. Which one gets you the uh, Falcon icon? Because I know I Galaxy's Edge does. Edge. So that's exactly. the one I've been using. But we've been talking about Galaxy's Edge a lot, about going, and we did say that we were both going to go, and we did. We both went. We didn't get to go together. We went a week apart, so you got to go a little mm-hmm. earlier than me. I did, yes. So I got to hear I don't about know if we've your talked about it a, a lot. Bit. There was a lot of me saying I wasn't going to go and you saying you were. <laughs> so there's that. Yes, there's that. And then we both <laughs> ended up going. So I wasn't lying. I didn't lie. You that wasn't a lie. lie. It, it wasn't was a lie. An it unintentional was, lie. It was a by a complete random chance of occurrence that I was able to go. Yes, yes, we know. And I took advantage of it. <laughs> but you got to go. So that's but the cool thing is we both got to go and now we're back and I literally just got back. I haven't I mean it's been less than a few days for me being back. So now we can kind of like discuss our at least some general thoughts. I mean it's not books related mostly, so we're not going to spend like a huge hour long review of Galaxy's Edge, but I thought we could at least talk about some of our impressions. Okay. So sure. I'm down. Let's what was do like your walk in first impression? You got to go like on the night shift, right? 8 p.m. Yeah. Uh, anytime I think about this to actually talk about it, I kind of don't want to. <laughs> because, you, okay, explain. Be, well, no, because it wasn't great. Like my first impression wasn't amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't cry. I wasn't emotional. I... I didn't have any of those feelings that other people have said that they've had when they walked in and they just got overwhelmed and, you know, felt like they were going to cry or whatever. I had none of that. And it's really weird because I did when I went to Hogsmeade at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And then again, when I went to Diagon Alley. So I think though, I think I know why. And it's because of the way that they bring you in at that night shift through the Critter Country entrance, and then they hold you standing there by an X-Wing for like half an hour, and then they slowly walk you in and like point out where everything is. It's not this magical experience where you walk in and you're just like overwhelmed and see everything right away, you know? It's like exactly. I'm sitting there staring at a at an X-Wing for a good half an hour. I'm like, okay, well, I've seen one of those at Star Wars Celebration, you know? And it's just kind of, I don't know, it's, it, uh, you see what I mean? It's just yeah, really yeah. hard. It's hard. I completely agree that that, the way that they had, and it kind of, they couldn't help it. It was the way they had to well, do it. no, they had to do it that way. large the crowds were. But I do agree that when you're kind of sitting in that queue, and especially if you're kind of close to the front, which I think both of us were, mm-hmm. you can start to see stuff. You're not like in the back of a crowd where you don't see anything. You can see that X-Wing sitting there. And we, and at least when I was there, I saw Chewbacca walking around. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of getting this peak, but you're also still waiting for like half an hour or even longer if you got there earlier. And like you said, it does kind of take away from that initial like discovery or like walking through an archway and seeing it in front of you. Um, because even when you first walk in, there is that kind of slow march 
you know, through that resistance area up the path um, with a huge crowd. And you don't really get that kind of moment of like the big reveal. Right. Did they do the thing where they were like, what are we going to do? Walk. What are we not going to do? Run. <laughs> they we didn't did it have over. That. Oh, we did. They were like, what are we going to do? Walk. What are we not going to do? Run. Like over and over like a chant. It was hilarious. <laughs> we did have people running. I mean, the thing is, by the time I went, which was uh, a couple weeks into it being open, people had started figuring out, okay, what were the hot things? What are the things you got to get to? And it was like Savi's workshop and the cantina were the two big things that everybody knew where there were going to be lines for. So it was it was like as soon as they did let people loose, and even though they did start to bark at people to not run, people were like speed walking as fast as they could possibly speed walk to try to make sure that they got in line so they could build their lightsaber so they could get into the cantina. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also took away from the experience because I was trying to get there so I could build a lightsaber. So I didn't even really, my main focus was got to get to that building so I can get in line and get one of those few slots. Right. And not well, really it, taking my time to just like, oh, let me just walk in and kind of take this in as it happens. I, yeah, and that's I, another big piece of it. But to be fair, you didn't just have four hours there. No, I was Aaron lucky. Aaron had 16. Aaron had 16 <laughs> hours in Galaxy's Edge. I had four. So it's really like you had more time to absorb the land and to have a better overall impression of the land than I did. Because everything you're talking about right now was my entire four hours. I got to do this. I got to get here. Mm-hmm. I got to go there. Oh, look at that. I can't stand and stay there and walk, look at it. And I blah, 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 blah. literally that was my brain. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then it was over. <laughs> yeah, I told, you're right. It it was. It's probably going to be a bit of a different experience, and I know you're going to get to go back and have your time to to absorb more. But luckily, I had that opportunity just because of how it was situated and how. Well, the, when how, is that going to be? The amount of days that you get to go back. Yeah, I mean, in the fall. It, like, here's the thing. Well, okay, okay, but let's put it all in perspective. I'm going back. I'm going to Disney World. Well, in a week, but mm-hmm. it's not open. I'm going to Disney World in the fall, in September. But I'm going with one person who doesn't like Star Wars, another person who mildly likes Star Wars, and Epcot Food and Wine is happening, and Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. I really don't think I'm getting that much time in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Just saying. I'm oh, I just. Know. I know. Saying. I was just so, trying to stay positive. Like you'll get to you'll just, get your time to to absorb eventually, it more. Eventually. Eventually. It's not going like anywhere. In two years from now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, luckily I had a few more days. Like I had planned it. Like you, you said, you kind of did yours as a last minute decision. So yep. you were limited in like, oh, you could only really go for like a day. Luckily, I had planned ahead and had a few days and was able to take advantage of that time. So I think yeah, I probably had a little bit more chance to take it in. So I feel now I yeah, feel like bad. all these cat all these categories you're gonna talk about, I'm like, I don't know. You don't know. Well we can <laughs> we like I said, we don't have to talk too long about this stuff, but I was I did want to hear kind of that, you know, what your first impressions were. Um did you have overall, a chance overall I liked it. Overall I liked it. I thought it was extremely immersive. I can totally see how Disney basically plussed up what Universal did with Harry Potter and made it better. Uh, I like that all the cast members all have stories. Everybody's in universe. I love all that. I love the tie-ins with the books. That's probably my favorite thing. Um, Let's see what else. It just felt very real. Oh, and I also liked how my droid interacted with the land. That was cool, too. Oh, yeah, you got to do something I didn't get to do. You got to build a droid. I I built a droid. Uh Uh-huh. Her name is BBT19. She's purple. She's awesome. (laughs) I got to build a lightsaber and you got to build a droid. And those were kind of the two building events. So between the two of us, we got to experience it. And then maybe the next time you go, you can, you can, you know, you can do the lightsaber and I can do the droid. So, um, but I did get to go into the droid shop and kind of see the process. And because they, luckily they leave that pretty open that you, it's not like a secret process that you can, you only have a ticket to get into. Yeah, it's so. supposed to be like a factory, so. Yeah, it like was pretty cool. Shop, so. Did you have like a favorite of, you know, I know there's a lot of different visuals all throughout the land, some kind of Easter eggs, some fun stuff. Did you have like a favorite thing that you discovered or a favorite kind of visual? No, because I couldn't see anything because it was nighttime. Well, you saw the <laughs> Lothcat in the cage, right? Yeah, which was okay. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I wish it would get up and walk around, but it doesn't. It just yeah, like... kind of. It was a cool idea. I wish it did have a little bit more movement. Um, yeah. But it was a cool idea, and the fact that it's like, oh, Lothcat, something from the animated series, you know, made it into uh, that yeah, kind of real world thing. Um. So okay, maybe like the Doc on maybe the animatronics like Doc Ondar and Hondo, they're so lifelike and real. And I had an experience in Doc Ondar's when I had T nineteen in my hands. I was carrying her around, like mm-hmm. holding her like a baby. <laughs> and I was near where Doc Ondar was, and he like. I don't know if I just caught it at the timing that he does this in intervals, which I'm sure is all it is, but he like rose up kind of like out of his chair and was like looking through the, the cage mesh thing at me and at my droid. And then I would, I moved over to the side cause I was like, why is this dude looking at me? And he turned. Really? Yeah. It was freaking weird. And I was like, you cannot have my droid. <laughs> I was like, you can't have him. And it was, I felt, I thought I, I felt like I was being watched. It was so weird, <laughs> but it totally happened. And I think one of the Batu residents was watching and like laughing inside. So I don't know if they can control that or whatever. Maybe they probably can't. I'm probably interpreting this as something that is not, didn't happen at right. all. But to me, it did. But still, yeah, it could be. <laughs> I mean, they really built weird. in a lot of interactivity and i know the droids interact with the land so maybe there is something where it can sense if there's one nearby and it looks in that direction the droids only interact with the land if they have personality chips if they Mm. don't they don't interact with the land so you know maybe because there is a personality chip or whatever um t19 did react to the sarlacc um she freaked out a little bit um lots of rumbling shaking noises um so I was like, okay, I'll get away from here because she was freaking out. So oh, I was like, cool. hey, we don't stand near baby Sarlax because she does not like that. So uh, so we saw a few things here and there, but it's just so loud that you can't hear, you know. So I had to take her out of her box because, like, I could feel her moving around and we would go different places, but I didn't know what was going on, you know. Yeah. So I would say probably the animatronics were my favorite visual. If I had a second favorite visual, it's Blue Stripe Wall. Blue Stripe Wall. Yeah, it's a cool wall. wall. You like your Disney walls? It's an awesome walls. wall. It's, yeah, I'm obsessed with Disney walls lately. I took a picture in front of that wall only because of your obsession with the, with the Disney walls. And I was like, well, I can't pass this opportunity to get a picture at a Disney wall. Yeah. You know, because Teresa's been talking about them. So. Yeah, you got to work on your Disney wall posing. Yeah, I got to work on my posing in general. In because pictures, you do the same thing. I know, I did you the same. Have your arms <laughs> I knew you were going to call that out. Kind of like stand up really straight, and you're just like, "What's up, dude?" Like, I never know what to do with my hands. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm kind of just like, "Okay, I'll just do the arms folded thing." And then I did that same pose on just about every picture, and I did a couple other poses, but that just was the one that looked the best. So. That's yeah, what. you do it all the time. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I do something similar, especially if I'm taking pictures with characters or something. Mm-hmm. I usually am a right hip, uh, hand on hip kind of hip pop thing because uh, yeah. it because it helps with your posture. You stand up straight, you know, and it's it it's very pleasing on the eye. Although. If you saw my pictures with Blue Stripe Wall, I had a lot of different poses, <laughs> and I have to I have to credit. Richard Woloski from Skywalking Through Neverland because he did a fantastic job doing photography for me on several walls and in a lot of different angles and he was making me laugh so you get some of those true Teresa laughing pictures you know which are some of my favorites so yeah I didn't have a professional photographer He's not a professional Telling photographer. Telling me that, like what poses job. are making me laugh or like, okay, He was no. just saying stuff. He look was like, that way. okay, now look up. All right, act like you're eating popcorn. No, no, no. Like just random stuff, you know, and it was just like, but it made it really fun. And then Sarah and I have this picture where it looks like the cover of like a 90s rap album. <laughs> See, I literally, I literally <laughs> just handed my phone to Bethany Blanton of the Star Wars report and she took the picture really quick i think I, I didn't even have more than one pose on that wall oh yeah so. we were we were at that wall for i think about 20 minutes <laughs> see that's why you didn't have time to take everything in you were taking you were taking too many priority. pictures i had a list of priorities <laughs> and you know i had to stick to it now you can't honestly 
you can't see crap at night there. It's so dark. It gets dark so fast, it's too. It's so dark. And the lighting is made to, like, it's going to be dark. Yeah. So it's not like I could have seen anything anyway. Yeah. I, I was I mean, walking to a bush at one point. Yeah. I mean, as far as favorite visuals, pretty much everything around there just looks so great, even at night. But I think my favorite visual, other than, like, the obvious, like, Millennium Falcon sitting there, which is amazing. But I love that, like, at the... um. At the Ronto Roasters, the big pot racer thing that's like cooking mm-hmm. the meat and the droid. Like that whole thing is like, it's way bigger and more immense and cooler and does a lot of different things than I expected. I I had seen pictures of it, but mm-hmm. then actually standing there next to it, it was, it's just really, a really, really cool thing. And it's right at the entrance of the marketplace. So like kind of seeing that and then the marketplace place in the background with the the archway and all the cool stuff up in the up in the sky i don't know it just that's that's probably like my favorite um thing at least from this time cool as far as visuals uh what'd you think about the smugglers run ride since that's the only ride they have open right now so i really enjoyed it but i enjoyed it because i was not the pilot i was a gunner so all i got to do was button smash which was perfectly fine with me it was mm-hmm. like boom 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 push the button push the button so I enjoyed that. The queue is super freaking long. Uh, we walked through most of it because I think we only waited like 10 minutes. And so we were just yeah. like walking, 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 walking. Uh, the holding room is awesome because it's like the, I don't know what you call it, the lobby of the Millennium Falcon, uh, the living room. I don't know. <laughs> I don't the know. The, ca- the main cabin. cabin no. I The bridge. I don't know. I don't know what you, you know, me, ships. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, so... That was pretty neat, but we didn't have enough time in there to really take pictures and stuff and because it was pumping through so fast. Uh, but the ride was really cool. I am curious to pilot, but also slightly afraid uh, due to motion sickness, which is weird because I don't use motion sickness on rides, but I get really motion sick on Mission Space at Epcot, and I got scared. So I was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to be a gunner. I'm not going to sit in the front. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, do you do okay on Star so Tours? I do perfectly fine on Star Tours. Okay. I do perfectly fine on every other simulator ride. For some reason, it's Mission Space. But I think Mission Space is because it's like this claustrophobic cabin, and you're like pinned in there, and you can't really breathe, I think, is part of it, yeah. you know? But I was just kind of scared, and I didn't want to feel like disgusting for the rest of my time there. So I was like, let's go with the safe option and sit in the middle. So I did that, and it was really fun. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super cool. But I know you got to pilot. You didn't want to pilot, though, because you get motion sick on Star Tours. I do get motion sick on Star Tours to the point of I, I kind of close my eyes for a lot of it because I just that don't, like you help, said. Does it? it does actually help if I close my eyes. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It doesn't. It does not help on Mission Space. It makes it worse, actually. It's the combination of the movement and then seeing a visual. If I can cut out one of those two things, then I'm fine. So in, a lot of times in Star Tours, because I've... I've kept my eyes open enough to see all the different things. But now that I've seen all the different things, it's like, okay, when I go with friends, I'll just close my eyes for a lot of the ride. Um, just so I don't get that sickness. Cause like you said, it can ruin your day. Um, Cause mm. sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. go away very fast. But I will say as someone who does get motion sickness, this ride, even as the pilot didn't really bother me. There was a little hint of it. I could feel, but overall it was way better than um star tours and it's a smaller screen it's a different type of screen so i Mm, think it it just didn't bother me so i think you would be fine as the pilot okay but cool but i'm also afraid of being the pilot because i can't drive in like video games cars much less fly planes though yeah i mean you kind of have control but a lot of it's on rails too so don't don't you dare say that don't you ruin the magic. <laughs> so Stop. I think you'd be fine flying it. All right. Just be the side to side and not the up and down. It'd probably be easier. Which one's the up and down one? Uh, the left The left pilot no, is No, I want to be the right one because I want to punch it, Chewie. Uh, well, that you get to punch it if you're the right pilot, and that's the okay. side to side. Yeah. Okay. So I got to do that. So that was cool. But, yeah, I like the ride too. And like you said, the queue is really cool. It's really long. There's a lot of cool little details to see. And then when you get to the Hondo part, that's really awesome. But it was moving so fast because of the way that they did the reservations uh, that you really didn't have time to take it all in. 
Well, and here's the thing. Galaxy's Edge is so much more immersive than you or I got to experience mm-hmm. because we didn't have time to like play the app. We didn't have time to just run around and do all the jobs and collect our credits and really assign ourselves to a side. Like we didn't have time to do the full immersive experience. And that's something that's going to happen over long periods of time of being able to go there, you know, of a vacation where you're there, you can go visit it four or five, six, whatever times, you know, and you don't have a time limit. So there's so much there to experience that we didn't even touch the surface, scratch the surface, whatever it is. Yeah. And it was a really amazing land. I think for me, you were kind of saying, you know, when you first walked in, um, you didn't necessarily feel that same magic that you felt at the, at the different Harry Potter lands. Um, and I kind of agree. I didn't have that like moment of like overwhelming emotion where I was like, no tears came to my eyes or anything like that. But I did have a lot of giddiness and I did, I was kind of like bouncing in anticipation walking Mm. in. And then I just remember like when I first, after I ran to the lightsaber thing and kind of did all that, once I actually did have time to walk around and start to take things in, even though it was dark, I did start to be like, oh, wow, like this, they really did it. They pulled it off. This feels so legitimate. It feels so immersive as far as just the little details and stuff that they had on the buildings and the, the different visuals. So I thought it was like, it actually exceeded my expectations as far as the the immensity of it and um it even felt bigger than i expected it to feel but again i put that back to the fact that you had 16 hours there so i didn't have time to 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 do any of that you know yeah yeah yeah. i just didn't so it's like it's two totally different totally different things (laughs) (laughs) i didn't i didn't take advantage of the full 16 hours um, because I, but kinda... still, if you get longer than four hours and you already have all the stuff you want to get done, done, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you didn't take advantage of the full 16, even if you had eight, that's still way more time. Significantly than more than the one shift. Yeah. I agree. I think, I do think that people that only got to do the one shift of four hours, it's tough to really get in a full experience, especially if you're trying to do any of the kind of specific things like you, you did get to go to Oga's Cantina. Um, you know, so you got to take in that one thing and you got to build a droid, but you didn't necessarily get to do the lightsaber. You didn't get to do some of the other things. Well, and I'm okay with that. I think the thing that I'm upset about the most regarding Galaxy's Edge in my experience is that I didn't get to enjoy the land. Yeah. Like, because that's what I really love to do at Disney parks is just sit back, absorb, enjoy, sit down, eat a snack, and just be there. And I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to see those details. And so, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, we'll get that in future visits. Um, But to tie it back into kind of the books, since we are Star Wars bookworms, it is kind of cool right now how they have so many books um, that are tying into that land directly. Mm -hmm. And I know the Flight of the Falcon series that's already out has already tied in. And I was just reading, I haven't read Pirate's price yet but i've read just the first couple chapters and just within the first couple chapters there's a whole scene in Oga's cantina they're naming the certain drinks they're talking about hondo so that was a cool little Mm tie-in and then we have like crasser fate that's coming up and black spire which are both i think a little bit more involved and you've you've actually had a chance to read crasher fate i read the whole thing i read it in about a day and a half and wow it's well when you put it all when you put it together like between the trips on the airport to the airport and stuff, it took me, I would say, total maybe fifteen hours to read total, maybe okay. maybe less. So, I have read the first like forty pages. Oh so. yeah, no, I've blew through that book. The fact that you were able to stop at forty pages surprises me. Well, it was right before I left to go to to. Disneyland so it was okay. yeah yeah because that book was was one of those that's like a page turner every single thing there's no for me at least there wasn't a spot that was like really good to stop at yeah and here's kind of a weird thing like I'm not trying I'm not trying to name drop or anything but it was just kind of weird so when I left from my trip I had posted like a Instagram story or something that I was like I'm pre-gaming you know because I was going to read it on the way part of it on the way there just to see if there were you know what tie-ins there were 
And Zoraida Cordova, who wrote it, actually DM'd me on Instagram and was like, yay, I'm so excited. So I kind of had a little bit of conversations with her over the time that I was reading it. And that was really cool, actually, <laughs> to, you know, to be talking to the author on Instagram, like while you're discovering stuff in this book. It was pretty neat. Yeah, I was, that's like, awesome. And we got we actually got a chance to bump into her. We did at, at celebration. celebration and meet her, which is really cool. And I know we were both really excited for this book. So I'm pumped. I know I you got to finish it. I didn't get the book quite as fast as you did because I always get those hiccups and delivery and stuff getting to my house. But I did finally get it, and I I'm super excited to get into it more. And even just the first forty pages I read, I've enjoyed. And obviously, we can't really talk about any details because oh, it's way before um, the uh, the review is allowed right so i'm excited for black spire mm -hmm. i've been wanting to pick it up and start reading it but i also know that i'm supposed to read alphabet squadron first so it's really hard yeah with <laughs> like lately like, i want to read black spire i don't want to read alphabet squadron i want to read black spire yeah and alphabet alphabet squadron just came out so no we had master and apprentice dooku jedi lost alphabet squadron then uh crash of fate and black spire literally hitting us within a matter of a couple months and I've I've read them all except for Alphabet Squadron and Black Spire, so I feel like I'm doing pretty good. You're doing good, and I'm I'm a little behind you. I'm I haven't read Crash of Fate yet, but I, other than that, I've read the same stuff. And I think I'm gonna dive into Alphabet Squadron soon because I'm hearing I, really good things. Yeah, I think you need to finish Crash of Fate first, though. Okay. Like, just it's a fast read. Uh, so just finish that, and you're gonna you'll love it because you've been to Galaxy's Edge. I think that's what makes it even better. And, and then you we did can... tell me about one little Easter egg in Galaxy's Edge, which I don't know if we should say. It. But well, I mentioned it on our latest Fangirls Going Rogue. Oh, uh, I didn't okay. say where I didn't say where it came from, but there is a tree in Black Spire Outpost that is referenced in Crash of Fate, and it's got a pretty good, cool, interesting story behind it. If you are going to Galaxy's Edge, ask a Batu citizen, which is a cast member, about the wishing tree. Just ask him, and yep. they'll tell you all the cool info about that tree. And when you read Crash Fate, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, and you gave me the heads up about it, so I did have a chance. Oh, to, and Aaron sits by the wishing tree. I did, I did. But you sat by that tree for forever and didn't even know it was. There. Didn't know that's what it was because it was dark. I didn't know. I couldn't see the details of the tree. But yeah, so that's awesome, and I think we could both say we had a great time at Galaxy's Edge, and it met our expectations. We did. We did. Can I plug something really quick? Plug it. Plug it. Okay. Uh, plug it in. So I actually filmed a vlog, which is such a weird word to say. I filmed a vlog with Sarah, my co-host from Fangirls Going Rogue. And so we did, I think all in all, we filmed like 60-something videos. And some of them were 30 seconds. Some of them were a couple minutes long or whatever. And I pieced it together in a vlog of our day at Disneyland from airport to airport, from me landing to me leaving. And it's really fun and really cool. So you check that out. It's on the Fangirls Going Rogue YouTube channel. And also go to the Skywalking Through Neverland YouTube channel and you can see the entire build process of me building BBT19, who is my droid. There's two videos. There's the whole process of me building and then there's a second video that shows her interacting with the land what she looks like on the inside where you can actually hear her we talk about some complications with the bb droids and stuff and those are all on the skywalking through neverland youtube so check them out awesome i haven't even had a chance to look at that stuff yet so i need to check them out um we are going to talk about a couple news items because they actually just released news about the age of resistance comics um, yesterday and then today Del Rey revealed the Thrawn Trees and San Diego Comic-Con exclusive cover and pin so we're going to talk a little bit about that stuff and then we're going to review Master and Apprentice um, as well so let's start with the Age of Resistance comics because they, they announced them they showed the covers and they gave little descriptions for each one so I thought it'd be kind of cool to just go through the, the descriptions and maybe just give our quick thoughts on maybe what we're excited for about these um sound good sounds good my page won't load so just all right yeah starwars.com has been really slow today so luckily i already have mine pre-loaded uh so the first one we'll just go right in order here and the first one is rose tycho um which is getting her own little story 
and this is going to be written by Tom Taylor. And it says, Sisters, friends, co-pilots, growing up, Rose and Paige Tycho were everything to each other until the First Order tore their world apart. See the bond between Rose and Paige before it was forever broken. So, um... Is it Tycho or is it Tico? I know. I, when I was saying it, I was like, I'm probably saying it wrong. But I feel like in Star Wars, you're allowed to have like a couple different pronunciations for the same word. <laughs> so how do you say it? Tico. Tico. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tico. That's all right. So, yeah. So this is, I mean, we'll get more about Paige and Rose. Yeah, I like that. That's I like cool. that. Okay. So the second one is Star Wars Age of Resistance Supreme Leader Snoke number Ooh. one. All right, this one's being written by Tom Taylor, and the artist is Leonard Kirk, and the cover is by Phil Noto, who you and I both like. Uh, Let's see. Supreme Leader Snoke's brutal training of Kylo Ren begins. Will the sadistic Snoke break his tormented protege, or has he underestimated the son of Han and Leia? I don't know. Spoiler alert, he has underestimated him. Spoilers. Because he gets killed by him. Jeez. The uh, this is the one I'm the most interested in because this is actually the first non-movie Snoke we're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't really done any Snoke stories. There's no books. There's no comics covering Snoke. So this is the first, and it's gonna be a little bit of a, a history of of Ben Solo too, and kind of I guess the training that he gets from Snoke. So this is all information that people are wanting to know. Mm-hmm. Like, you so, said Snoke like six times, and I was like, Snoke, that's such a weird Snoke, name. Snoke? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah i'm excited I, this one might be the one i'm the most excited for just because of the the mystery that still surrounds that character mm-hmm. okay i want to do this one yeah all right so the next one is ray number one on sale september 18th search for skywalker written by tom taylor artist ramon rosanas and Coverage by Phil Noto. After Han Solo's fall, Rey searched for Luke Skywalker, but before Luke, there was Leia. Witness never before seen moments between Rey and General Organa. What will Rey, Chewbacca, and RTD2 encounter on the way to find Leia's missing brother? That's cool. That is cool, and I, I like hope it's as cool as I think it is. <laughs> yeah, Phil Noto is one of my favorite comic book cover artists, and I think this specific cover with Rey is my favorite of these four. Yeah, me too. Although the Kylo Ren one's pretty cool too. All right, so Kylo Ren is the last one here. And this is this one comes out September 25th. And it's called A Dynasty of Doom. Written by Tom Taylor. Artist Leonard Kirk. And covered by Phil Noto. And it says, Anakin Skywalker casts a long shadow. Can Kylo Ren ever escape his infamous grandfather's reputation? Or will he succeed where Darth Vader failed? We don't know about that one. We don't know the spoilers for that one. Well, and I don't think Darth Vader failed, but okay, whatever. Well, he failed <laughs> as far as the dark side is concerned. I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, everyone, you know, the whole idea of a Kylo redemption, I guess that would mean he would fail too. So we'll see. Uh, Ren we'll see if the Raylos are happy or not by the end of this. <laughs> you better cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> So that's pretty cool. I, I these Age of comics. Have you had a chance to read any of the other like Age of you know nope. Republic or anything? Um, I had a chance just. To, I I haven't gotten into them very much, but I read. I think I read like Django's and Mace Windu's and maybe maybe Qui Gon's. So I read some of the the old ones, mm-hmm. but they were they were really good. So I'm excited to kind of get into these more, and especially these Resistance ones, Age of Resistance, because they're the most you know current in the timeline. So I'm excited for all of these. Well, if you buy them and you put them on the app that we share, you should let me know so that way I can read them. <laughs> I did. I did. I don't recall you telling me that though. you had them though. <laughs> I think I was getting on a flight and so I needed like reading material for the flight and so I downloaded them real quick and I think I did shoot you a quick text like, "Hey, just so you know." Oh. But that was a long time yeah. ago, so. Long time ago, a galaxy far, far away. Right, right. There was Thrawn. Okay, so Del Rey released some San Diego Comic-Con news from their Twitter account. They said Thrawn gets by with a little help from his friends. Oh, okay. Who knows what that reference is? I do. What is that? It's a Beatles reference. It's a Beatles reference. Do you know what song it is? I mean, I could sing it. I'm not, I'm not good at song titles. Friends, that's the title of it. Okay, so okay, here's well. your first look. at It's on Strawberry Fields. 
the album. Yeah, well, that's Eagles. not really that's not really an album. That's a song. It's on um, Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> anyway, that's the point. Here's your first look at the cover of our convention edition of Thrawn Treason for San Diego Comic-Con, available in both print and audio, art by two dots. See follow-up tweet for full details on how to get your copy. And so it's Thrawn, who looks really weird to me in the forehead and the hair. Not, I don't, I don't know, that's like weird, I don't understand it. But he's sitting in essentially the Emperor's chair, and he's got like an army of chiss with red eyes behind him. It's kind of a little creepy. It is a creepy cover. I like it. I like the the chiss behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the chair is kind of like a, a captain's chair, so it's probably just the chair on the chimera. Is okay, I want to pretend it's the emperor's chair and that he took the emperor's chair. It is very emperor chair esque, so I'll give you that. And I do agree with the hair. It looks a little weird. He does have that very unique forehead lines, but I think that's been pretty consistent in all the different pictures of him that we've gotten. But the, don't hair, like the hair feels a little different this time. It's don't not like it. quite as good as maybe the other pictures. But it's a cool-looking cover. I like it. And it's I, I would cool definitely cover. like to have it. Yeah. And the pin is cool, too. Did you see that? <laughs> yes, yeah, I did. I'm not going to San Diego Comic-Con either. Yeah, if you get the exclusive convention edition, you get an exclusive enamel pin featuring Thrawn's Star Destroyer and a Yoda tote bag. Mm. I like the... The pin. The pin is very unique. I like that it's a shape of a Star Destroyer, and it's got the the Chimera markings on it. Yeah, so basically it's the shape of a Dorito. So if like that helps with Dorito. your... Yeah. It's a metal Dorito, with so a, if that helps like you. like a dragon on it. Like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, if you don't want to look a it up silver, and Google it and just look at the picture... A silver metal Dorito with a, blue, with a blue Kraken on it. There you go. You don't even have to look it up now. <laughs> Perfect describing. description perfectly <laughs> so yeah we might have to pull some strings to get this cover because i don't yeah. think either of us are going to san diego but but no cool. but Very if we cool. were gonna get this at all if we were gonna get this at all though i think we just ruined it for us by calling it a silver metal dorito with a kraken yeah <laughs> they're officially like yeah like, you don't need yeah, this they're not getting one. <laughs> they're not, they don't appreciate the distinctiveness i don't know i do appreciate it i'm just trying to give people a visual we're not a video podcast <laughs> i don't think is there are there video podcasts would you call sure. it a podcast if it's a video though yeah i've heard video, that terminology video cast? i don't know yeah uh well we are gonna review at least quickly master and apprentice we liked it hooray i'm just kidding Which, yeah it was great <laughs> claudia it was gray a book ever. okay bye-bye Go, claudia uh so this one is, the publisher is Del Rey. The writer is Claudia Gray, who we both are big fans of. Oh, yeah, big fans. Release Huge date fans. was April 16th, 2019. Not yes. too far ago. and Not, not too, too long ago. Mm-hmm. And are you going to read this, or do you want me to do it? Me. Okay, you do it. Good job. An unexpected offer threatens the bond between Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi as the two Jedi navigate a dangerous new planet and an uncertain future. A Jedi must be a fearless warrior, a guardian of justice, and a scholar in the ways of the Force. But perhaps a Jedi's most essential duty is to pass on what they have learned. Master Yoda trained Dooku. Dooku trained Qui-Gon Jinn. And now Qui-Gon has a Padawan of his own. But while Qui-Gon has faced all manner of threats and danger as a Jedi, nothing has ever scarred him like the thought of failing his apprentice. Obi-Wan Kenobi has deep respect for his master, but struggles to understand him. Why must Qui-Gon so often disregard the laws that bind the Jedi? Why is Qui-Gon drawn to ancient Jedi prophecies instead of more practical concerns? And why wasn't Obi-Wan told that Qui-Gon is considering an invitation to join the Jedi Council, knowing it would mean the end of their partnership? A simple answer scares him. Obi-Wan has failed his master. When Jedi Rail Avaros, another former student of Dooku, requests their assistance with a political dispute, Jen and Kenobi travel to the royal court of Pyjal for what may be their final mission together. What should be a simple assignment quickly becomes clouded by deceit and by visions of violent disaster that take hold in Qui-Gon's mind. As Qui-Gon's faith and prophecy grows, Obi-Wan's faith in him is tested, just as a threat surfaces that will demand that Master and Apprentice come together as never before or be divided forever. Nice. I mean, that description... Such a good book. It's like the whole book right there. That's the whole book. It does a good job. Yeah, that's a good... 
<laughs> no spoilers, but we might talk a little bit spoilers. We, we'll probably keep this one like mostly spoiler free. Maybe not. No, let's not say that because I don't want to. I don't want that to be on us. Let's just say there's going to be spoilers. They always know there's going to be spoilers when we review a book. Yeah, um, but so I know we both like to do audiobook at least some. You know when we yeah, do these I books. did this one all audiobook actually. Oh, okay. Um, not different at all. And I don't remember who was the voice on the audiobook. Do you? If it was Jonathan Davis or Jonathan Davis. Okay. I mean his. his- Qui-Gon Jinn is ridiculous. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah, his Qui-Gon is exactly, like, it just sounds like Liam Neeson is talking. Oh, it's so amazing. Which is amazing. When you when someone can nail a voice like that, it really does help you get more immersed in the story. Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. Because. And he doesn't do a bad Obi-Wan either, because Obi-Wan's pretty good, too. Yeah. But we had, we've also listened to Dooku Jedi Lost, which we're not going to talk about this episode, Mm-mm. although there are some tie-ins. But. I will just say real quick, like that book, because of the voices not being great or not a good match, took me more out of it. So it can have an effect. And part of the reason why sometimes I don't like to do audiobooks is if if a voice isn't quite there for me, it can really ruin the story for me. And this time I really was just like, oh, this is going to be a great experience because I feel like I'm listening to Qui-Gon Jinn slash Liam Neeson uh, because he was that close. Mm-hmm. So that that was awesome. Yeah, so something that surprises me in this book is the very I don't I can never think of the right word when I talk about this. The relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan is very rocky. Contentious. Uh I it, huh? Contentious? Sure. Uh it is not the relationship that I thought they had based off of the only information I have, which is from The Phantom Menace. Because in The Phantom Menace, sure, Obi-Wan is a little bit, he's a Padawan, he pushes back a little bit, but it's very, like, respectful. It's very much, like, hashtag apprentice goals, Padawan master goals, in my mind. (laughs) It's one of the best Padawan master relationships we see. In the films, anyway. And so it was crazy to me when this book started. I was completely thrown for a loop because they don't have a great relationship for the majority of the book. And I was like, what is happening? I was so upset. It was really hard. And keep in mind that Obi-Wan is 17 in this book. And How old is he in the Phantom Menace? I think in the Phantom Menace he's twenty three, something no. like that. No. Yeah. Really? Here, mm-hmm. look that up while I finish talking. I well, <laughs> I'm going based on um, I had done a little bit of research before we started recording, and somebody had listed that he was eight years younger than he was in the Phantom Menace. Um, at mm-hmm. this time, so, so there's a lot of time that passes between here and, and the Phantom Menace. That would make him twenty five. Twenty five, so. The... Well, okay, but but still, my point being that the only information we had to go off of is the Phantom Menace. We oh, had yeah. no I... other information. So for me, having my like hopes and dreams of what my relationship would be with my Jedi Master dashed <laughs> was like, <laughs> oh, I completely agree it with you. It was so I'm hard, not... but. You know, you see, you see the trials and tribulations they go through to get to the point to where they are in the Phantom Menace. It's crazy. It's amazing how she does this. How she puts you in this world. She cha- flips everything upside down on you, so you have no idea what is even happening to everything that you thought you knew, and then slowly reels you into what you thought you knew is actually what you knew. But how we got there is not how you thought it happened. It's really cool. Oh yeah. That's and a really weird description, but you know how much I love Obi Wan as a character. I don't. I would think you love you like Luke more, but yeah, but Luke kind of got ruined for me in the Last Jedi. That's a, eh, that's a whole other eh. thing. Oh god. Yeah, I know. I know. It's fine. It's blah, fine. blah blah blah. I, blah blah blah. I know. I get it. I get it. But it did. So I, I'll say it. I liked Luke a lot more before the Last Jedi. But I love Obi-Wan Kenobi as a character. And ever since I saw him, I remember watching him in The Phantom Menace when I was you know, much younger. And when that movie first came out and just really 
I never really liked old Obi-Wan from the original trilogy. I mean, not that I disliked him, but he just wasn't a favorite character. But then when I got to see kind of the young version of him and him be this like really cool Jedi Knight and then get to see him grow yeah. through the, the prequels. He's like, so hot. I just thought he was so cool. The he's got a you know. Padawan braid and Ewan McGregor's voice. <laughs> I don't know if his hair so is the thing to go cute. for. Are you? Mm, you but, leave the man alone. Hey, I'm I'm agreeing he with you. He rides a raptor like no one else can. So, um, I really. What is happening? Can they make right a now? whole movie about you? Sorry, I'm lost on a Ewan McGregor cloud. <laughs> yeah, I love Ewan McGregor too, just for different reasons. Um. <laughs> He, he is one of the two actors that I'll watch. In, if he's in any movie, I'll watch that movie. Okay, but here's my question. Why did they have to pick two really hot guys to be Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon? Like, did they do that on purpose Why to me? Because they? I feel like... They, and, the, and it's not even just the way they look, but they pick the voices. You know, and I'm one of those girls that, like, at, like voices with accents just own me. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's not even fair. <laughs> well... <laughs> Going back, getting back to my love of Obi Wan, which is a little bit different than your love of Obi Wan, uh, I really like that character, and I would say he's in my top two of favorite characters in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So this book challenged that for me because I didn't like him as a teenager because he's very he's kind of stuck up and he's constantly questioning Qui Gon, and he even tattles on Qui Gon at one point to the Jedi Council. And I was just kind of like, oh, he's kind of a jerk in this book. Like, I don't really, you know, which is fine. I mean, he's he's going to have character growth and he's a different person at 17 than he's going to be when he's the awesome character he is in, in uh, Revenge of the Sith. But at this version of him, I wasn't as, you know, I wasn't as big of a fan of. I was much more of a fan of Qui-Gon in this book. But that doesn't surprise me because you have this innate dislike of teenagers. <laughs> Because you were like that with Ezra, too, before he grew up. Like, any time there's a character that's in its teenage years, its developmental years, you're like, man, yeah. Like, that's your reaction all the time to teenage characters. Apologies to any of our teenage listeners. I'm sure you're all very yeah, but, nice people. <laughs> so, but see, for me, so, and it comes from, two. we come from two totally different places because I literally work with 14 to 18-year-olds. So they are... They're my driving force. I love kids that age. They're the best. And so, you know, a teenager, an angsty teenager is totally right up my alley. But I did want to punch him in the face a couple times. And that's not <laughs> that's not out of the realm of possibility for the way that I feel about some of the children that I work with that I just want to be like, where is your mother? She needs to <laughs> smack you, <laughs> you know? Uh, so... You know, that does happen. But, yeah. I mean, I don't smack children. I just mentally in my brain want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying just and I don't saying. hate teenagers, so let's just make that clear. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I have a hard that... time with fictional teenage characters, which you just yeah. called out. I definitely do. You're right. Yeah, you do. But, to be fair, Qui-Gon is a more... Okay, so he's like... Okay, how do I put this? So, at one point in my fandom i saw qui-gon as like one of the ultimate rule breakers mm -hmm. right yeah and then i met quinlan Vos, and i was like oh not as much as like he's way more and then i met rail avaros and i was <laughs> like all right forget it forget all of it like you know qui-gon's nothing compared to this dude and so obi-wan is very much your square jedi and when i say square like a square person you know that stays inside the box and, you know, dresses professionally and just, you know, doesn't, you know, don't ever do anything wrong. Like you're a square, mm -hmm. you know, he's a square. <clears throat> yeah. Which is why I also think it's really funny that he ends up with Anakin as his Padawan because he goes from being the Padawan of somebody who he's like, ugh, to being the master of somebody that he's like, ugh. It just cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan is definitely I'm... one that has bought into the Jedi way. Oh, and hardcore. Like he's eating, drinking the Jedi Kool-Aid. <laughs> he's following the rules. He's making sure he's doing everything right. Um, and then you're right. There's kind of a progression with Qui-Gon. And I, I like the comparison to Quinlan Voss because I actually thought the same thing when I was reading about Rail Avaros. I was like, oh, he's a very Quinlan Voss-esque character, but takes it to the next level. Although I, I would actually put them a little bit closer to even maybe than you would as far as their rebellion. But 
I mean, Quinlan even goes to the dark side at one point, so he may yeah. be surpassed. He's more. I mean, if you're going to go to the dark side, see, and and Qui-Gon never did. He. I need to find that quote while you're talking. Mm-hmm. I need to find the one quote from the book that's just amazingly fabulous that's on the book itself. Uh, so I'm going to look for that. So, But yeah. So I like the comparison with Quinlan Voss and Rail Alvaros is a character that once he was introduced and kind of the history behind that character, how he came into the order a little bit older, um, almost in a very disruptive way into the order and almost like the order wanted to get rid of him. So they gave him this like post and like, hey, go do this thing. And the fact that he is actually uh, Dooku's first apprentice which is a huge thing. You know, Dooku, we didn't know. That's a new that's new news. We're learning new things about major characters in this book. Uh so I I really enjoyed Rail as a character and kind of his portrayal throughout the book. Did you find the quote yet? No. No. Okay. So I found on the back cover. So I grabbed my copy of the book here. Um and it's right on the back cover. It says it matters, Qui-Gon said quietly. It matters which side we choose. Even if there will never be more light than darkness, even if there can be no more joy in the galaxy than there is pain, for every action we undertake, for every word we speak, for every life we touch, it matters. I don't turn toward the light because it means someday I'll win some sort of cosmic game. I turn toward it because it is the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that in and of itself for me is Qui-Gon Jinn and that's what makes him so much different than Quinlan Boss yes. <laughs> in my eyes because he is so self-aware you know and he so even though he pushes back he pushes back for good reason I mean what the Jedi Council is doing at this point in the Star Wars galaxy is complete stupidity right. so you know and he knows it and that's the thing. And so that's one of the reasons, like, I'm so sad that Qui-Gon died when he died, because I feel like things could be so different, you know. But it's like fighting an uphill battle. If he had been on the Jedi Council, I don't think he would have gotten anything changed or anything done. Yeah. You know, he, we, he had more impact doing things the way that he ended up doing stuff. And we kind of know where the Jedi are going, and we know the failures of the Jedi at this point in history and how things are going to come to a head and you know because Sidious is able to take advantage of their audacity that you know they're going to fall and they're going to make a lot of mistakes and we know that's going to happen and Qui-Gon can kind of see it coming and is questioning things and Mm -hmm. and I love how we're getting that history with his character as long and, and as well as Dooku because Dooku ends up leaving the order um, because he was seeing the problems with the Jedi. So these some of these Jedi were seeing these issues and kind of starting to question or leave the order, and then it does eventually lead to ruin for the Jedi. So it's so cool to get these details. Yeah, but at this point in the book, Duke, he's already left the Jedi order. Yes. He's already gone. Yes. Uh, Rael Avaros is a very interesting, cool character. Uh, we learn a little bit more about him in the Dooku Jedi Lost book as well, but mm-hmm. there's a lot about this character that I like, and then there's a lot about this character I don't like. He's like a half and half for me. Um, but it provides a really good perspective and conflict within the story, and he's like a bad guy without being a bad guy, you know? Right, and you kind of wonder through throughout the book, is he going to be a bad guy? Is he going to turn... Or they're going to reveal something about him, some devious thing that he's up to. And so you're kind of wondering. But in the end, he doesn't really turn out to be a bad guy. He made some bad decisions and caused some bad things to happen. But in the end, he really wasn't a bad guy. Um, and I really liked his character a lot, you know, despite some of the mistakes mm-hmm. he made. I just thought, I found him very interesting. And yeah, just because you're different. a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Wreck it, Ralph Ravens. I actually, it's funny. I was thinking like, okay, what other characters kind of like this? And the one that stuck out to me the most is Elsa. It's weird, mm. but like almost in a weird Elsa way where you think Elsa is going to, you know, is going to be the evil snow queen you know and then she ends up not being but made a lot of poor choices and then just didn't trust and didn't you know a lot of things like that i feel like real avaros is that only as much more 
rough around the edges kind of individual. And he's funny. And I love the fact he was making yeah, fun of Obi-Wan's hair the whole time, which was pretty <laughs> hilarious. Um, he also mentions having sex a lot. I'm just saying. He does once. Like, it's, he, he says it more than once. No, he talks about it. But they do. They did. The way they referred to it was kind of like very, very vulgar. Out of universe. Um, very out of universe. But I guess that's how, you know, I don't live there. I don't yeah, know. right. I guess now they've canonized that that term. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I, I've always wondered about that whole thing with Jedi, and I kind of ha- always had my own opinions about mm-hmm. it because you know that they're not allowed to have attachments and most, you know, they're not supposed to get married and have families. But then it's kind of like, well, where do they draw the line? Are you allowed to have non-attached physical relations? Apparently and so. That seems to be, well, apparently not because Rail is the only one that's cool with it. Everybody else is kind of like, oh, dude, you've gone too far. But I do like that they at least touched upon that. I, I found that pretty entertaining. Because I'm that is something I've kind of wondered can, about. Because that's where my head went. I was like, oh, okay, so they can. Uh, now, that's not true for all the Jedi, though. I believe Chaotic Mundi was allowed to reproduce. That was only in Legends. Oh, darn. Yeah, he did have a family because apparently his He was like one of the last of his yeah. species or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so there's another character in this book who ends up being the craziest character turn that i was not expecting i was expecting a completely different character to be the bad guy but princess fanry is this little prepubescent princess (laughs) that is about to be queen kind of thing and she ends up being the evil person which is just i was expecting it to be like her aide or something but it ended up being her and i was like what like I didn't catch it at all so I don't know if I failed in some way with not catching the signs if there were but I didn't I thought it was going to be her little assistant handmaiden Katie that's the same thing I thought so me and you were both tricked in the same way because I all along I'm starting to try to figure out okay there is this there's going to be this character they're going to reveal that's going to surprise us and so I'm like who could it be could it be her guard guy and I thought that was too obvious and then I was like no it's going to be her handmaiden it's going to be, what'd you say her name was? Katie. Katie. And I was so sure of myself that that was going to be it. So I too, when the reveal that it was actually Fanry, was very surprised. And I, I, I love being surprised. So bravo. Now, if you want to if you want to talk, yeah, if you want to talk about angsty, crazy teenager, there you go. Well, she made a turn. Yes. And, and that was kind of the thing where Rael was her guardian in many ways and was basically leading the planet while she was growing up mm-hmm. he was the the, the regent. i don't remember the regent lord regent real Avaros. uh but something that's really important here for real Avaros's story he loses his padawan oh yeah when he's in the jedi well he's still a part of the jedi order mm-hmm. uh he loses his padawan early on and the reason he's sent to be Lord Regent of this planet has partly to do with that because part of the Jedi Order thought that he purposely didn't help her when he could have and save his Padawan and he just let her die. So there was a lot of controversy with Rail in the Jedi Order and so they sent him away because of the problems it was causing. But it really caused him deep personal pain to have lost her. And... Qui-Gon knew that. And so then he goes to be the Lord Regent of this planet where Princess Fanry's parents have been killed. I think they were killed. And he's basically her guardian and caretaker. And so to him, Princess Fanry is again like his second child, essentially. And he... And... Go ahead. I was just going to say he was kind of blind to some of the signs because of that. Yeah, I think so. Because he saw her as like someone he needed to protect and he wanted to see the best in her and he didn't want to make the same mistake twice. And then he's really missing these signs of of things that he kind of realizes at the end when you do finally realize what, you know, what her role was. And he's kind of like, oh, yeah, I should have seen it coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I feel like there were a lot of signs for him and he just kind of ignored those signs. So... 
Anyway, but yeah, Princess Mary goes cuckoo bananas, and it was another painful loss for him. But something to be said for Rail, he is approached by Dooku in this book, towards the end of the book, about leaving the Jedi Order and coming to join Dooku on Sereno. Mm-hmm. And he turns it down, and Dooku basically tells him he's an idiot. And he quotes Qui-Gon with talking about choosing the light because it is the light. So he doesn't make that choice. And he chooses to stay in the Jedi Order, even though he's been through all these seriously traumatic events. So that was one redeeming quality for Rail for me that made me see him as like a really good character was the fact that he made that decision. It was a surprise, too, because I thought he would go. I I don't know why, I just did. And he's like a new character, so we don't really know much about him and what happens to him. Mm-hmm. And so there is all this open space for, yeah, he sh- sure he could have gone and joined Dooku, become a Dark Jedi for a while, who knows what his future is, but the fact that he didn't, and now it's like, okay, well, we have this new cool character that they've introduced to us, and there's a lot of space you know, even between this book and the Phantom Menace, there's a lot more, there's a lot more time and a lot of years that they could, you know, if Claudia Gray gets the opportunity, she could write, a, you know, maybe not a direct sequel to this book, but write another story in that time period that would include him. That would be really cool. Yeah. So that would be, that would be awesome. Um, what did you think about the other characters that they introduced? The, um, the jewel thieves or hunters or. Rahara and Pax. Yeah. Pax cracks me up. Pax is so freaking funny. And he's funny because he was raised by droids. So he's very droid-like as a human. He has like no emotional attachments to anyone except for Rahara, which he discovers in the book. And he's like, oh my God, I care about this person. I'm in love with her almost, you know? And it's so funny to me. And she used to be a slave for the Zerka Corporation. And then she gets re-enslaved in the course of the book. I think it was a really cool dynamic between the Jedi and these people who have these opinions about the Jedi or just know them as like fiction. They're like, oh, they're real, you know? So it was kind of, it was kind of cool, kind of interesting. And they also really helped, in my opinion, of helping to ultimately win the battle in the end of this, in the story. So I don't know. I liked him. Rahara was cool too. I, I respected her, but he was hilarious. Yeah, I I agree. I thought he was really funny. He had all the best comedic moments throughout. Um, and Rahara was a good character too. She was a little more straight laced, you know, so mm-hmm. she didn't stand out as much. But then you have that whole dynamic of her being a former slave and how that affected her. And I know, like we just reviewed um, Queen Shadow, which also dealt with slavery. So it's kind of a an interesting uh, an interesting topic that these books are covering now and kind of slavery in that universe. Yeah. So I like them. I like the kind of the fact that they were jewel thieves and the idea of Jedi using Kyber crystals. So there was that connection in them finding what they thought was, you know, Oh, we're going to go to this planet because we think there's a ton of Kyber. And really it turned out to be, um, I can't remember what the, the name of the mineral was, but it's kind of like this false Kyber that mm-hmm. really wasn't, um, and it kind of made a, a orange lightsaber blade, which was the first time we'd seen something like that. So all of but that. It kind of made for an interesting story twist because of that, that it did react with the lightsaber, but not in the way that the people that were using it thought it would. And so it's like, it's crazy because even though it's not a kyber crystal, it still created a blade. Right. Only and... the blade had different properties, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I love the conversation we got between Obi-Wan and uh, Fanry where he's kind of describing to her about lightsabers and how they work. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. And then just the, anything that dealt with like kind of the Jedi prophecies and lightsabers and all of that stuff, you know I'm going to like it. And when they when they kind of sprinkle that stuff into these books, it's like I reread those passages because I'm like, oh, I want to I want to make sure I'm catching all these details. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many. And it's such a great book. I think for me, it was a really amazing book to read right after reading uh, the Padme book. Yeah. So Queen Shadow. Like it was crazy because they were both in the same timeline. So it was really neat for me. 
yeah, and it's been a good run, um, the books that have been coming out recently. And this was one I was probably the most excited for when they started announcing some of these titles. And I it didn't really it didn't disappoint. I really like this book a lot. And Claudia Gray has written I think she's starting to become my favorite Star Wars author. Because Woo, she, me too. Because she's written, you know, probably three of my top five in the new canon were written by her. Mm-hmm. Um so that yeah, I'm really liking it. And I'm hoping that she gets to, you know, still holding out for that Lost Star sequel. But I hope she gets to write more and maybe utilize some of these characters more too. Yeah. I also would like for her to dive more into the Jedi prophecies because she was doing that in this book and there was some really cool, I don't know. uh, It like alluded to certain things. There was one of the prophecies. I was like, Oh, that could be Leia. You know, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we've never really gotten too much information about the Jedi prophecies. We just heard about it, but I would really love to know more about that. Like and, a lot more. And anyone that's read this book that hasn't listened to the Dooku Jedi Lost audiobook, I would say definitely do that because yeah. although I like this book better, it's better. This so is many, better, but still. There's so many connections, so many characters that show up in both. And then when it comes to the, you know, kind of the prophecies and that side of it, they, they get into that a lot more too. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah, this is it's it's almost like they were companion pieces. Like if you're if you read this book, yeah, make sure you listen to Dooku Jedi Lost because you'll get a lot more out of it. That I would say Queen Shadow, Master and Apprentice, and Dooku Jedi Lost are very much like a trilogy of books that you could read together that sort of support each other mm-hmm. really well, just because of the timeline. And then you're kind of getting that with like Crash of Fate and Black Spire, you know. So they're kind of doing that, which I think is really interesting and cool. So again, we, you and I really like all the tie-ins to things Yes, and how things are being interwoven together and things aren't just like standalone pieces. So, you know, I, you know, I just really like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And overall, this book was fantastic for me. It was great. And if you like Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Dooku, there's a lot of flashbacks. So you get like a younger Qui-Gon in this book too. Oh yeah, true. You get Dooku when he's a Jedi master, like all that stuff's in here. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good book. Um, I think we both agree, right? This is a two mm-hmm. thumbs up. Two thumbs. All right, guys. If you want to interact with us in between shows, we would love it. You can find us on Twitter at SWBookworms. Please, please, please send us an email. Let us know what you thought about Master and Apprentice at StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. And we have our Facebook group if you want to check that out. Um, a lot of the listeners are discussing different topics over there. If you want to jump in, it's a quick little, you know, request and answer a couple questions and we'll let you in. You can also find us on Apple podcasts. Definitely leave us a review. If you haven't yet, you can find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram at ice cold penguin. You can find me at AV Goins. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, <laughs> dun,